listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 379. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, to discuss the classic military science fiction series, Stargate SG-1. And uh, it's another one of those nights where Skype did not cooperate, so we've gone to the phones. No. Yeah. Skype pisses me off. Yeah. Not as, not as bad as going to the mattresses, but yeah, almost as bad. But... Uh, yeah, so, you know, it, it, it's funny. We've gotten some feedback via the Facebook group that people are happy we're doing, Stargate SG-1. And, you know, it is one of those shows. It's I won't say it's as light as The Librarians because that certainly wouldn't be true. And, and, and again, I, I know you've only seen two episodes at this point or one episode, as we'll uh, explain in a minute. Yeah, we've already had, like, people dying and wives getting abducted and stuff so yeah it's definitely darker than the librarians yeah but uh, but still for a lot of the science fiction that's out there it, it's still a little bit on the uh, light side and you know we'll go ahead and talk about what we're watching i'll let you go first tonight because i'm trying to decide whether i'm going to actually admit to a show that I am watching, I may go with my backup. But uh, what? So were you still on Ozark or? Yep, yep. Uh, just finished uh, season three, which is as far as you can get right now. Uh, their final season, season four, I believe they're they're starting shooting in November. I believe I read. So when that means. It'll actually be out. I don't know, but um, you know, uh, you know, Ozark was getting a lot of buzz when season three dropped over the summer. Uh, there was a lot of people talking about it, so that's kind of what you know convinced me to give it a shot. And um, you know, I liked it, but it's you know not a show that I really. I wouldn't say I loved it. You know, okay. Um, it was it was solid for sure. A good. A good drama, a lot of a lot of crazy things happening, but I think in the end, uh, I felt that the just I, I couldn't get into the characters uh, as much as, like for example, in a Breaking Bad, a, a show like that. But you know, it was it was really good though. I give it high end, okay. I'll definitely watch season four. Actually, they're breaking season four up into two parts. It's going to be 14 episodes rather than 10, and then they're going to break it up into two seven-episode parts. So I assume that that means that that first seven episodes will be out, hopefully, fairly quickly, maybe by this summer. Ozark was, was okay, so um, that ended, and then, uh, you know, last night also was the uh, season finale of season one of uh, Lovecraft Country. It has a lot going for it. Really good characters, uh, the, the the excellent social commentary, on top of the supernatural elements that are, are there and are pretty wild and crazy. You know, it's they, they cover a lot of different genres. That's what I kind of like about it. I mean, ostensibly, it's kind of like a thriller horror type show, but there really were only like two episodes that really had some freaky horror type stuff. Um, you know, the rest is, is just really good, uh, television. So, uh, um, you know, pretty, a lo lot of crazy stuff happening in the, the season finale that I will not, uh, spoil for anyone out there, but I would definitely highly recommend checking out Lovecraft Country. 
Okay. And, you know, I, I keep going online to check on the status of the argument between Roku and HBO Max. And every time I, I Google that, something about Lovecraft comes up and I've got to immediately avert my eyes. So I haven't been spoiled by anything yet. But yeah, it is certainly one of those shows that I want to get to. And 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 again, I've mentioned that I started Ozark with my wife, but she just didn't really buy into it. And again, she has no interest in seeing Breaking Bad, which I don't understand. It's just so much of a cultural series that, yeah. that I guess she doesn't care about cultural literacy, but yeah, you know, I guess not. You what know. can I do? Um, <laughs> but I assume it's kind of that anti-hero vibe that we got with Breaking Bad, where you're rooting for the bad guys and. Though, but the, the thing is, I think we and, and part of it is what really one of the things that really drove Breaking Bad was, you know, Walter White and watching him, uh, his character on the either evolve or devolve, depending on how you look at it. I guess um, that you know that was like kind of the central part of it. Whereas Jason Bateman's character is just this really stoic character uh, that. It doesn't really, you know, we don't really see change in him, right? So there's not that interest in seeing a guy go from the, you know, your science high school teacher to drug kingpin. This is a guy who was involved with crime from word one uh, of the show. And so he's, he's not getting more entangled. He's just basically trying to save him and his family. And that's kind of like his motivation, which is obviously compelling, uh, but uh, just I, I didn't find it as 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 compelling as something like a Breaking Bad. Okay. So it was it was really good. I mean, I don't want to don't want poo poo it either. I mean, it was a really good show, and I enjoyed watching it a lot. But it also wasn't a show like if I if I had you know missed a couple nights, like this is usually how I can gauge like a show like uh, like uh, um, like Money Heist. Like every night, I was like, "Oh my god, I gotta find out what's happening." Money heist next. I gotta watch Money heist. Um, But Ozark was not like that. If I, you know, took a couple nights off and, and didn't watch it, it didn't really, uh, it didn't fuss me too much. Okay. Well, I'm back to reading again, and for me, it's been difficult to decide what I want to read. For one thing, and. I've been trying to work my way through the 2008 Hugo Award-winning novel titled The Three-Body Problem by the Chinese science fiction writer, and I have no idea how to pronounce his name, his first name or last name, depending on how the Chinese do it, and I I read different things, but L-I-U-C-I-X-I-N, and I'll put that on the... uh, the post about spelling his name and the title of the book first asian writer to win the best novel award but dude i'm like 130 pages in and if you ask me what it's about i have no clue yeah i'm serious i I mean that's not good i mean i could tell you that you know these are uh, chinese scientists that are sort of trying to uh, maneuver the communist system as they investigate i have no idea <laughs> and when i went to go go to wikipedia 
just to look up the year of its publication. I guess I could have looked at the book. <laughs> and there was a description about the book and I read it and I'm like, well, that's the that book I'm reading. That, that didn't clarify things. Though. It did not at all. So <laughs> I'm going to keep plugging away. I actually uh, decided, nope, that's it. A hundred pages and I still don't know what's going on. I'm going to put it down. But dude, it won the Hugo Award. So, yeah. I mean, there's got to be something there. I'm going to keep working at it. I briefly detoured to this post-apocalyptic novel called California, which I, I was able to understand what's going on there. It's this couple that's basically trying to live after some sort of a societal ending apocalypse, although we don't really know what it was yet. And there I just found them boring. And even though I understood what was going on, I didn't like it. So I kind of mm -hmm. shelved that one too. So uh, apparently there's a movie in the works for the three body problem. And I believe it's part of a, I don't know if it's a trilogy or just a series, but I'll report back. Hopefully I'll, I'll figure out what the hell is going on in this book. But <laughs> anyway, um, why don't we get to something that I think we do understand, and that is yeah, well, a little bit, a little bit. Stargate SG One, and in, in terms of understanding, let me clarify something. You and I were talking about it before we started recording a little bit, and this is still episode one, and I think I'm the one that generated the confusion. And in my defense, I, I've gone to several sources to figure out, well, what's the deal? Is Children of the Gods Part 1 considered a separate episode from Children of the Gods Part 2? And I think the answer, final answer, no, it's all one episode. You and I just decided to split it up into two episodes. So if you go to the website, uh, last week it'll say, Season one, episode one, part one. This one will say season one, episode one, part two. So next week we'll be talking about the actual episode two and go from right. there. So it looks like okay. season one only has 23 episodes rather than 24. Although the production codes confuse things a little bit, but let's leave it there. Yeah. Uh, written by Jonathan Glasner and Brad Wright. We talked about that last week. Directed by Mario Azapardi. Aired July 27th, 1997 on Showtime. So uh, we got the team returning to Earth to plan a rescue. And what did you think about the titanium iris that the general had installed? Well, it turns out to be a pretty handy little uh, feature later, doesn't it? Yeah, no kidding. But the other thing, from a plot standpoint, it, it does give us that kind of finality that if you're not back in 24 hours, we're closing the iris, and that's that. Yeah, we you, are really closing it. If you try to enter that other gate, you're going to smack into a gate full of titanium. Right, and I'm to understand that there is a means of communicating between Abydos and Earth, but that if they close the iris, that also cuts off the line of communication. Okay, I guess I'm not a materials scientist. So I guess whatever radio waves or what they were using, it gets blocked by the titanium. But still, it's pretty cool, I must say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, at first, 
when they first did it, I mean, obviously you're like, okay, well, I mean, you know, this is going to play some part later. And uh, I just didn't think it was going to be that soon later that we would actually see the practical implications of what happens when you close the, the titanium iris. Yeah, really. And we get that great reconnection scene between Jack and Daniel. And obviously, and you mentioned last week about this episode doing everything a pilot episode should do. And of course, Fred argues in his feedback that maybe the film should be considered the pilot. And I understand why he says that. The fact that there are different actors maybe throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into that yeah. idea. But I, I think certainly you do need to see the the film first. But if you don't, you don't. And, and yeah, I think- Well, for all we know, that's what Showtime did back in, what, 1997, right? Like maybe they actually were showing Stargate the movie and then they, you know, started the show right after that. Yeah. Daniel goes home with Jack, and and that was kind of a nice scene when Daniel tells him, "I don't really know what to do with myself." And and you see, we you know Jack's got his leather jacket on. We know he's going home to relax or whatever. And we're kind of wondering, well, is he going to invite Daniel back? And 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 of course he does. And you know they have a beer once they get back there, but. He gives us some backstory, and and we do learn a lot, and I think they do it in a very unobtrusive way that the people of Abydos treated him like a savior, and we learn a little bit about Jack's wife and and what happened. Yeah, and and that thematically uh, plays in because, of course, um, Daniel has lost his wife as well, and while she doesn't run off with another guy like, you know, of any kind of free will, there there is still that kind of motivation there. Right. And, you know, we get bits and pieces about the death of his son, and we still don't really know what happened, but we do learn that his wife has forgiven him, but he can't forgive himself, though, as right. he tells Daniel, sometimes he can forget. So, it does appear as if he plays a role in his son's death. And I guess we'll learn perhaps, uh, you know, as we go along, you know, what the deal is, but, but that he's got that hanging over his head. And as you say, there's a really nice parallel because Daniel's now lost his wife and Jack has kind of lost another son. He he certainly mentioned right. that he sees yes. Scara yes. like a son. So, yeah. you know these these are two men that that really have been dealt a, a pretty heavy blow right here at the start. So, uh, you know Jack's going to have to get over whatever problems he has with Daniel as a scientist, and you know of course we'll see that a lot in this episode. But the other question that that has been circulating through the first two episodes is whether or not Ra actually was killed in that explosion. And the assumption, perhaps, that the individual that turns out to be Apophis, I think for a while we're not sure if he was Ra or not. But well, Right, well, we did until Daniel just says, oh, that's not Ra. Yeah. And, and I'm trying to remember if he based this like 
you know, he just like says it like, oh, that's not wrong. It's Apophis or Apophis. Apophis. I can't remember. Apophis. Apophis. Yeah. And it's like, well, A, how you know, and B, why didn't you like tell people earlier? Right. Right. Unless, was that, maybe, was that the first time he? I think it might have been. Um, yeah, I guess maybe it was. Because, yeah, I guess because he shows up at, at the base in the beginning. Right. And then, but, and then he, he takes, right, he takes Daniel's So, right. So, Daniel hasn't actually seen the dude. So, you're right. That is the first time he sees him. Right. But in terms of uh, plot devices, the knowledge, at least Daniel thinks this is true, that the gate can take then them to an indeterminate number of planets that there are again a boatload of gates out there really sets the series up for you know quite a bit of adventure and then we learned that the president has authorized nine teams to travel and they are the sg teams and and of course uh, O'Neill's team is designated SG-1, and uh, what's his name? Kowalski. Uh, Kowalski gets the uh, lead on SG-2. So, you know, did did you think the general gave in a little bit too easily to Daniel's demand that he be on Jack's team? Um, well, again, it's, I feel like maybe I missed something because uh, the one minute the general was saying, no, you're not going to be on the team, we need you here. And then Daniel just says, I really need to be on the team. And then the next thing you know, he's suited up. And it's like, oh, well, I guess he is on the team now. Right. Um, you know, so. and, and General Hammond, I wonder if he's going to be this kind of character where there was maybe a little bit of manipulation there that he anticipated Jackson was going to want to go back and search for his wife, kind of making him squirm a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely more to General Hammond than than meets the eye. Yeah, that guy's got some layers to him. Uh, so, 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 yeah, I definitely wouldn't put that you know past him. And obviously, you're not wondering about that. I mean, you know what his deal is. Well, yeah, but I'm know, wondering that, <laughs> right? But I, I do forget a lot. So, yeah. like any show that you binge, uh, I literally forgot all of part two. Like nothing in part two. I'm not sure if I, I, I mean, I know we watched it. I know I watched it, but it's just like, I don't know. I, like my notes were really spotty on it, so I don't think I was paying really great attention because I'm like, man, I don't, there's just like hardly any of this I actually remember. Right. So I feel you there. All right. And, you know, they give us a little bit of an homage to Star Trek, uh, certainly not in the same language, but perform recon, determine threats, and if possible, make peaceful contact with Whoever you meet on these worlds that are on the other side of the gate. And if you can't, drop a nuke on them. <laughs> exactly. But I, I guess they they first need to know the number of Abydos and Ferretti, who is bedridden, I guess, after the firefight on, on Abydos, apparently is now conscious, remembers the symbols, and you know, that gives them a, a, at least a, a start to begin their search but dude i don't know about you but i am so glad that after general hammond gives them 24 hours to scope it out figure out what's going on and then get back or we're going to permanently close the iris at least we didn't get one of those digital countdowns right and that 
I mean, th- those drive me crazy. So, <laughs> uh, but I did like the fact that the 24 hours elapsed and we kind of got the sense that he was going to give him a little bit more time, but this is the first episode. So for all we know, he's going to close the iris. That's that. This might be the last we see of General Hammond, and the series is going to revolve around SG-1 and SG-2 exploring the world. So, you know, I, I think from a from a narrative device, I like the way they did that and, and that the general did give him a little more time, that he's not that rigid, I said it, so by God, that's the way it's going to be. And, right. and his number two, I forget, he's the guy that actually went to Jack's house that first time, I believe, when Jack was okay. up on the roof, you know, with the telescope. Yeah. But uh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. But they get through the gate and they find themselves at this outdoor area with this little mini Stonehenge like uh-huh. set up. So I guess it's more implication that aliens impacted life on earth i mean i don't know what else to to think by well that. yeah i mean that's that's and yeah i mean like what was it chariots of the gods suggested that um you know back in the 60s and everything so that's kind of like a an old kind of wacky theory that uh all the the great wonders of the the man-made world of the ancient world were were all you know made by aliens because uh you know we were just uh, rolling around their own feces and didn't have the wherewithal to figure out how to put stones on top of each other and things like that. Right. And if you guys haven't read any of Eric Von Daniken's books, uh, it, it's worth your time to at least check out one of them. Um, you know, the one you mentioned, Chariots of the Gods. Uh, you know, you take it for what it's worth. Is there a lot of scientific evidence behind it or is it mostly no. speculation yeah it's speculation, speculation but absolutely but it's a good read and it, it, it's fascinating stuff also fascinating you know we haven't really talked about samantha carter yet in, in this part of episode one and we certainly addressed last week the challenges she has as the lone woman uh-huh. not only on her team SG one, but I didn't notice too many other women on any of the other SG teams that we got a look at. She's got that conversation with Daniel where she's just doing what friends do. So how did you meet your wife? Well, she was a gift and you accepted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I just thought that was so powerful because I mean, it speaks to Daniel Jackson. You understand he's a stranger in a strange land, so you don't know what it will mean to refuse a gift. You refuse our gift? Off with your head. On the other hand, well, she is a beautiful woman, and I'm going to be stuck here. Yeah. Lonely here out in space. but. But Sam makes him think about the decision he made, and and now, I mean, we started to get to it a few minutes ago uh, when we were talking about the parallels between Jack losing his wife and Daniel losing his. And, and now one of the, the, the issues that comes up in this episode is 
what's for the greater good. Daniel wants to do whatever it takes to get Sheree back. Jack understands, no, the mission is the bigger picture. And he has to pull Daniel back a couple of times, which, uh, again, I, I really like. And you wonder how Daniel's going to react. Now, of course, we we see what happens with her and what her fate has been uh, later in the episode. But, you know, still, I mean, she comes in, Apophis introduces her as your queen. And, you know, we've talked about horror shows in this podcast. Having seen it a number of times, the whole uh, Gaul snake thing that I think Fred has a better idea to refer to it as a symbiote. Right. Not only is that easier to pronounce, but uh, (laughs) that is really just gross. I'm sorry. That is very graphic. And. And from well, it's, a, it's very Freudian too. I mean, you know, like that thing looks like a little monster penis. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, from a special effects, makeup, wardrobe, whatever, it, they do a good job with that. That was pretty, pretty creepy, pretty gross, pretty real looking for sure. you know for for what it is, but. Uh, uh, the other character that we we certainly get to meet in this episode is Teal'c, played by Christopher Judge, and obviously one of the the things we leave this episode with is the fact that SG One has now been established as Jack O'Neill, Samantha Carter, Daniel Jackson, and Teal'c. Teal'c is the outsider; he is the other, while Jack accepts him and and we get the idea that that sam and and daniel accept him general hammond understandably is a bit reticent to bring him onto the team and jack's like yeah saved our life he's on yeah and you know i guess i guess uh jack has a lot of pull at Cheyenne Mountain at this point, and right? Well, I mean, he is the guy that runs through the you know through the the gate. So you know, I mean that right know, that that guy should have some agency over uh, choosing his team. You know? Well, yeah, and, and and it's a great scene when all hell's breaking loose. You know, with the you know everybody's being held prisoner, and that exchange between Jack and Teal'c and whether or not Teal'c is going to help them, because we've seen Teal'c's expression. The camera has has not uh, done that uh, without purpose, that whatever Apophis is doing, it's clear Teal'c doesn't necessarily agree. And yeah, and we see that even in part one, as early as part one. Yes. You know, that, that whenever he is, you know, killing these women or, or putting the little monster penis in them. I'm going to keep calling it that. So yeah, just get sure. used to it. What the um, <laughs> you know, they, they, the camera definitely makes sure to pan over to Teal to show his uh, disapproval. But, you know, yet the whole time I'm like, dude, you obviously are not down with what's going on. You know, when you're going to make a move and, you know, he finally makes a move. Yeah. And that, that pleading, I can save these people, help me. And, it's just that catalyst that Teal'c needs to do what he knows is the right thing, which tells us a lot about the 
man, I don't know what else, to, I don't want to call him the alien, but, but he is a Jaffa, and we do know that he carries a symbiote within his body as well. Um, and, and then that great scene after Teal'c helps Jack and the others escape, and Jack's going through the, you know, the blasted out hole in the wall, and, and he looks back and Teal'c's just standing there, I have nowhere to go. For this, you can stay at my place. And yeah. we immediately get that image of, all right, Jack, Teal'c, and Daniel. All right. They're going to invite Sam over for uh, beer and cigars and cards. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll see. That would be, that'd be interesting. But, um, you know, the other thing that, that we see in this episode is the setup with Apophis as the prime antagonist at this point. And, and as you've mentioned a number of times, we've got 200 episodes to go. So there's likely going to be a, a string of antagonists along the way. Right. But, um, yeah, you know, there's you know, like that one bad guy's not going to you know, last for right. 10 seasons, obviously. But, he, you know, and, and I think Fred mentions this in his feedback as well. Uh, what is Apophis's plan here? He, he has taken the female sergeant from the episode's opener or the series opening scene. You could be the vessel for my future queen. And of course, you know, by the end of the episode, we know he's talking about the uh, snake thing. I'll call it the snake thing. Uh, but apparently it's choosy and it doesn't choose her. And on the one hand, thinking, okay, that's kind of disgusting, but um okay it's kind of the first time that we see that some of the women you know have these snake things in their bellies and apparently it can leave and return to the pouch and um apparently she was not acceptable so you know whatever but i i guess fred raises that question why does he need a new host for the queen right and that's a I, good question. Yeah, I don't think we get an answer. Just that. Well, you know, as Fred points out, that the 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 penis monster is in another woman, and when it leaves her, I mean, she's good to go, right? She she right. doesn't fall over and die or anything. She just kind of steps back, and so seems like she's okay. You know, Fred wonders: Does that mean like will she eventually get her memories back? You know, does this mean that there's a chance that? Uh, Sheree, right? Sheree? Yeah. Um, will be able to, you know, Daniel will be able to save her and that she'll return to, you know, her, her former self. Um, you know, these are all questions that we have. Yeah. And I think this is really the turning point for Teal'c because Apophis is asking the snake, does she please you, my lord? And when the snake decides that, all right, Sheree is, is acceptable and, and burrows in her, Apophis looks relieved and Teal'c not so much. So it, has Teal'c just had enough of these innocent women being used for this? We don't really know why this is the turning point, but... Uh, I, I think it certainly is. And, and, and to be honest, I don't remember if we really ever hear Teal'c explain to Jack or Daniel or Samantha why 
he decided to go with them. So yeah, know, maybe- I, I, th- I think we, we've, you know, we don't really, we don't really wonder that, you know, I think we, we've got enough with the looks that they show us that, that obviously he is not on board with the, um, as you said, like the, the, the killing or the, uh, you know, using of, of innocence for Apophis's nefarious plans and, uh, you know, and, and then he just finally has had enough, and and he, he's act well, not so much that he's had enough, but he also finally found someone that he thinks is strong enough to 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 end Apophis, right, and, and to align himself with, which is right. of course what ends up happening. Um, you know, he reveals that he's a Jaffa bred to serve. You know, I mentioned he has an infant Gaul in his belly as well. And he points out the advantages that he gets perfect health, long life. If he removes it, he will eventually die. And and I think Jack makes some, you know, remark, well, then, you know, that's pretty much what we all have to deal with. Yeah, exactly. All right. But at, at this point, still Jack hopes to recover uh, Scara, but he says the, the boy you seek is no longer who he was. And jack's reaction i don't want to hear that right and again it it perfectly parallels to what daniel's trying to do he wants sheree back but that's not your wife anymore right jack won't hear it yeah exactly so um you know and and at some point they you know this the decision's kind of taken out of their hands we're introduced to the ring transporter system which is pretty darn cool and we'll certainly see that a lot and i don't feel like that's a big big deal spoiler no, but, but it was it's super cool and um you know like especially you think i don't know i mean it's not like 1997 was like some kind of dark ages where you know there was no technology but something like that you say that well this was you know filmed 23 years ago um you'd be pretty impressed by that i thought it was cool as cool as all get out yeah yeah absolutely oh i agree so we get to that final battle which really is all about whether or not SG-1 can gain control of the gate, punch in the coordinates, and get home before General Hammond closes the titanium gate. And Scara, you know, in the little firefight that we get there, Scara zaps Jack. And, you know, I wonder whether that was some sort of a final act of affection. I mean, he doesn't kill him. It's just stuns him before Scara goes through the gate, almost like, you know, I could have killed you, but I do remember. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Jack would would find it hard to think of that as an affectionate action. Well, I agree. At this point, but but yeah, I get what you're saying, that, that, that certainly that, that's possible, because he, 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 Jack, he doesn't kill uh, Jack, but, uh, you know, he's still shooting, is still a pretty aggressive act, though. Yeah. Now we do get, you know, again, a a couple of plot points that loom pretty large as we move into episode two. Number one are all the refugees from Abydos that they bring to Earth. And while these people are human, this is a new world they're, they're being brought into. And of course, General Hammond doesn't have much choice but to accept them. Fortunately, it's a different president than it is now, so these refugees right. will probably, you know, actually be 
accepted and yeah, yeah, they they got in just in time. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing is we see that when one of the Jaffa dies in the battle, his snake leaves his body and burrows into Kowalski. So now we've got that to deal with, and you know, on the one hand, I'm like, ah, oh, come on, really? But yeah. on the other hand, that's you know, that's okay. It's a long season. Yeah, it helps. Um, you know, right, exactly. It's a long season. Um, you know, we have a, a whole year uh, to, to get back to the the people that Daniel left behind. So, you know, that, again, gives you about, you know, 23 episodes to get that taken care of. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, there's we see the setup here for all kinds of of uh of, of conflict and, and things so right i mean we we've got uh, a seemingly infinite number of stargates out there and planets to which they lead uh we've still got to rescue sheree and scara if you know that's in fact what's going to happen teal seems genuinely surprised at jack's offer to join sg1 which i absolutely love and Obviously, that now sets up the team of O'Neill, Carter, Jackson, and Teal'c. And, you know, uh, there's just so much out there, uh, I think, to really look forward to. So uh, anything you want to talk about that we haven't brought up? Um, No, I I would just like to say that um, So the the film, the original film of uh, Stargate is not available on Amazon to – to stream like at all you can't even buy it really so uh yeah yeah i was uh, i was surprised to see that because you'd think like somehow these all the 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 shows because like amazon you can stream like every stargate show ever but you can't get the movie like you you can't even stream them you can't even buy it so i did uh today i did order the uh the blu-ray of it because um you know i just I'm I'm tired of being confused as to uh, what's going on when they make references to stuff that happened in the movie. So cool. All right, all right. Well, why don't we hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Stargate SG One Season One Episode Two. Okay, let's start with what am I watching? Well, one of the things I did is seeing on Netflix the movie Enola Holmes with Millie Bobby Brown, which was quite Millie Bobby Brownish and quite, well, let's say enjoyable, uh, with a very nice early 20th century background. Cinematography and her acting were very nice, but it's a bit of a light-hearted movie. Not very light-hearted is Raised by Wolves, which I'm currently watching and is quite heavy, I have to say. But I think Wayne also watched that, or even the both of you. And I started watching Next, so with a rogue AI who infiltrates every system in the world and manipulates even emotions of people, etc., etc. Intriguing, I think, and I'm giving feedback there for a podcast by uh, Doug Payton and Karen Lindsay. And then, of course, the third season of Star Trek Discovery started, where I give feedback for three different podcasts. 
And what will be coming up is, of course, The Mandalorian, so Star Wars, and also His Dark Materials Season 2. So it will be a very busy few months coming up in the sense of giving out your feedback. First off, shortly coming back to last week's podcast, Dave, you were constantly saying that you were spoiling the movie of 1994, but I really think the movie should be the pilot. I really think, and that's also what I said, that you really should watch the movie ahead of the series. And actually, I got annoyed by starting watching the series, never have seen the movie. So actually, that should be the order. And then the strange opening of the series is not so strange anymore. And in that sense, then there is no spoilering either, because the movie is just episode one, or the pilot, or episode zero, whatever. Okay, about episode two, or the second part of the pilot. Let's start with the elephant in the room. I don't know which version you watched, but there was a full nudity of... Charay in this episode and that gave a big discussion on the internet 20 years 17 years ago I saw several discussions about it people worrying whether they could watch SG-1 with their children of 10 or 12 years people asking others uh, is this coming back this nudity in SG-1 and actually it was only in the pilot and of course there is a alternative version of it I don't know why they did it, just to attract more viewers or whatever. I didn't expect it either, because the first woman, the first female soldier that was there to perhaps accept the symbiont, was nicely covered. She was also nude on the table, but somebody was standing in front of her, etc., etc. So I was actually quite amazed. We were talking about Michael Shanks last podcast, who plays the role of Dr. Daniel Jackson, and that he is married to Lexia Doig, who he met on the Gene Roddenberry series Andromeda. But before her, he had a child with this woman that played Shari, Fighter Hirshorn, aka Fighter Bandera. She has partly Tahitian roots and even into Tahitian royalty. So obviously they were not only a couple on stage, but also in real life for at least a short while. The person that carried this gold parasite, I call it the symbiont, obviously seemed to survive after the symbiont left their body, because the woman that was carrying it and transferred it to Shari, she just walked out. I don't know if she died later, but... She survived. I really wonder if they then get their normal memory back, etc. And I also don't understand, but perhaps that's explained later, why this symbiont had to leave this woman. Perhaps the symbiont eats up or consumes somehow its host and has to find a new one quite quickly. But we have 211 episodes to find that out. Of course, I liked the field remote expeditionary device F.R.E.D. or aka Fred. Okay, that was for all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Right, now, Fred mentions Enola Holmes, and, and that's a film that my wife and I have thought about 
watching a couple of times uh, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. I think that's her name. But it looks like it's going to be a fun romp. But at first, we both thought it was a series. Once we discovered right. yeah, it was a movie, eh, I don't know. But uh, have you seen it? Yeah, but it's just like less of a commitment there. But uh, no, I haven't seen it. I put it on my list because it does look like it's fun. And you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of pretty much all things Sherlock Holmes. Um, but uh, we were actually going to watch it on Friday night as for our, we were having a movie night. But uh, we ended up watching the other guys instead. So, Yeah, you got outvoted. That happens to me all the time. But, um, you know, the other thing Fred brings up is the nudity associated with Sheree when Apophis is deciding whether or not she's going to be the vessel for his queen and the idea that Stargate SG-1 was a family series, not unlike the librarians. And while we've said so far it does seem to have its lighter moments, it is a military science fiction show. There is a lot of action. And while so far somebody gets shot and killed, it's not as if we see blood spurting out of them or sure. people screaming in agony, things like that. Right. It's it's that kind of Star Trek type of violence where, well, first of all, the good guys hit everything and the bad guys couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And then, you know, like... Like a like when uh, Kowalski sets off the claymores, and obviously a lot of people get caught in the the fire there. But they just you just seems like people jumping forward, like you don't see any limbs being blown off, which you think would probably actually be happening. Right now, the other thing though he brings up is the female uh, officer. I think she's or maybe she's a sergeant. I don't know, but that she was taken by Apophis in that opening scene. And clearly, she is naked as he's considering whether or not she'll be a suitable vessel, but we don't see anything with her. So whether she had it in her contract that she didn't appear nude and the actress that plays Cherie yeah. didn't have it in her contract. But, but like what you were telling me earlier, you didn't realize there were two versions. Yeah, well, I, I, didn't, I got no nudity in, in my version. <laughs> watching right. on Amazon. So I, I, I definitely feel a bit uh, jilted here. Yeah. Now I own the DVD set because, you know, several years, well, more than several years ago, but uh, I discovered that what I get points on my credit card. Uh, yeah, I can buy good. stuff with them. So anyway, nice. I went on this uh, DVD season buying spree and bought all 10 seasons of SG one. So that's how I saw it. Um, you know, so whether or not nudity is going to be a part of the series down the road, because remember, the first five seasons aired on Showtime as opposed right. to six through ten, which were on sci-fi. And, of course, we wouldn't expect there to be nudity on sci-fi. But, no, again, this is Showtime. A lot of language on sci-fi nowadays. Well, there not is. Back that, then, probably. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, now, the other thing uh, that he brings up is, is whether or not the, the symbiont needs a new host or whether it wants a new host and we don't get an answer to that but i think that's a really fascinating question i'm kind of assuming it's the need rather than want but right. i guess at this point we don't really know 
Yeah, we don't we don't know why the the sim the the penis monster has to keep uh, moving from one person to another. All right. So, all right. Anything else about Fred's feedback you want to talk about? No, no. I think we're good. Okay. Well, I'm going to go B plus on part two of episode one. I think it's a strong follow up to the to the setup of the first 48 minutes or so of the episode. But and, and yeah, I, yeah. I think you nailed it there. You know, like the first. We get a lot of character development, and you know, in, in that first one, uh, the first half, I should say, and then the, the second half is more like you know, kind of action packed, you know, shoot 'em up, running around type stuff. Yeah. So in retrospect, we probably should have watched them both and talked about them both together, but we didn't. So what? Yeah. There it oh, is. Well, anyway, say la vie. Yep. So, all right. Well, listen, that will do it for this episode of Sci Fi TV Rewatch. Want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Stargate SG-1. Anything else going on in genre TV, post in the Facebook group if you're already a member. And if you're not, what the hell? Join the Facebook yeah. group. Dude, come on. Get on board. Uh, emails can go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to discuss the true episode two of Stargate SG-1. But until then, anyone have a Kleenex? <laughs> <laughs>